Look, check this out, City Church. In our seven-year history, this is one of the things that we get most excited about. In fact, we get the most mileage. We get the most feedback. Uh, we get the most, um, uh, 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 I guess, um, I don't know. This is sort of our annual thing where our church is really engaged. It is our relation slip series. Uh, for the last seven years, we've always done a relationship focus in the month of February. Now, let me frame what we're going to talk about a little bit so that nobody checks out. This is not a series about dating or marriage or courtship alone. All right. The principles that we share over the next several weeks, all right, are transferable. That means you can take what we share and you can apply it to every interpersonal relationship you have. Okay. So let, 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 let's, let me just ask you this question. How many of you are in a relationship? Every hand should have gone up. Because everyone in this room is in a relationship of some sort. The moment you and I were born, you entered into a relationship, and that first relationship was your relationship with your family. But even then, that first formative relationship sometimes, unfortunately, is broken. Hmm? But everyone in this room is in a relationship of some sort, of some fashion, of some kind. And over the next several weeks, what we will unpack together from the word of God and from life experiences is how to have better life-giving relationships. Because relationships are an inescapable reality of life. You cannot get away from it, no matter how hard you try to isolate yourself. Let me tell you something that relationships are all inclusive, and here's why God designed it that way. Remember in Genesis chapter 1, God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. For those of us who make this bold claim, well, all I need is Jesus. Even Jesus says to Adam, bruh, it ain't good for you to be alone. There are certain ways that God can fulfill us vertically. But in God's divine design, he coded it into the blueprint of humankind that we would not be islands unto ourselves. Number one, we were created for connection because God said so. And to resist connection with other human beings is to resist the very design of God. Because God said it is not good for man to be alone. God created humanity to exist in the context of healthy relationships. Now, with every connection there is going to be a subsequent interaction. The minute I connect with Tony, the minute I connect with Harry, the connection doesn't end with the fact that we have connected. There is something subsequent that happens and that is an interaction. There is an exchange that happens. And can I tell you this? 
The quality of your connection will determine the quality of your interaction, which ultimately will influence the quality of your relationships, good or bad. Y'all hear that? The connections I make will determine the interactions I experience. And it is the cumulative effect of my interactions that will determine the quality of my relationships, good or bad. Let me tell you something. Most of us have a, 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 an idea of relationships that is based on the history of interactions that we've had because of the connections that we made. Bad connection, bad interactions, bad relationships. And can I tell you this? It is impossible. And I, I don't say that word loosely. I say it very purposefully. It is impossible to have a good quality of life with bad relationships. It is impossible to experience the abundant life that Jesus promised in John 10 and verse 10 if my life is filled with bad relationships. Relationships become the barometer, the thermometer that determines whether I enjoy life or simply endure it. Now, the challenge with relationships, and baby, I'm going to let you jump in, is that relationships do not come turnkey or maintenance-free. Remember when you bought your first house? I got my man, uh, 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 Alex here. Alex is a realtor, making it happen with, with uh, D.R. Horton, killing it. And when you buy that house from uh, Alex, uh, he's going to get you a key. And when he gives you that key, you're going to walk into that house, and you're going to unlock that front door. You're going to walk in, and everything that Alex promised in that house, what promised would be in that house, is in that house. And most of us, Approach relationships expecting a turnkey experience. I'm going to connect with Harry. I'm going to connect with Julius. I'm going to connect with Chuck. I'm going to connect. And everything is going to be picture perfect. Uh, we, we, we think that relationships come turnkey. Uh, we, we, yes, the other one. We also think that relationships come maintenance free. That I can buy this really nice car and never take it in for an oil change. And never get it washed. Can I make it crystal clear to you? Relationships do not come neatly packaged with a bow on top. They do not come turnkey and they do not come maintenance free. That means that relationships require require some initial decisions on the front end and they require continual maintenance throughout the duration of those relationships. What I'm saying is uh, relationships require uh, some assembly. Uh, 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 can I just be honest with you? Um, uh, one of the things that I struggle with as a parent in my time with Levi is the fact that Levi likes robots. And Everything Levi likes, 
requires some assembly. I want to spend time with my son. Quality time with my son. But I despise having to assemble things. I want every robot that Levi likes to come fully assembled just like this. In fact, this is one of Levi's robots. His, his uh, grandma got him this robot. And uh, somebody grab Levi real quick, please. Somebody grab Levi because I told him he was going to help me with this. And this is one of Levi's robots that's fully assembled. Uh, this is one of Levi's other robots that is yet to be assembled. And he's had it for a minute. This is how relationships come, though. Uh, relationships don't come like this. They come like, let me not break this stuff. I'm really bad at putting stuff together. They come like this. Now, every good builder knows if you're going to build something right, where do you start? You start with the instructions. And so God has given us instructions for quality relationships. And that's what we're going to unpack together over the next several weeks. Uh, maybe I'm going to let you jump in right in a couple of minutes, I promise you. But look at Proverbs chapter 1. Now, God is the master designer. He is the creator. And so he has given us the blueprint. He has given us the instructions for quality relationships. This is in Proverbs chapter one, beginning at verse number one from the message paraphrase. And I love the language. Notice what it says. It says, these are the wise sayings of Solomon, David's son, Israel's king, uh, written down so we will know how to live well and right. Anybody want to know how to live well and right? Anybody want to pick up that uh, sofa or that bed from Ikea? Because that's how relationships come now. You can't get it off of the, the showroom floor and just put it in your house. Relationships come a lot like Ikea furniture. Some assembly. In fact, a lot of assembly is required. And I've tried to put nightstands together before. And even though I put it together and it was standing, I had about four or five screws and washers left over. Come on, somebody. And usually that happens because we don't start with the instructions. So, I mean, I got this. This is side A. This is side B. A screw goes there, screw goes there. And, and we ignore the instructions. Our relationships, we have stuff that's left over or stuff that's not in its proper place because we didn't start with the instructions. So what we're going to do together over the next several weeks is go back to the instructions that will inform us how to assemble the relationships that we desire. And can I tell you the powerful thing about the instructions? The instructions don't begin with fixing everybody else. Come on, somebody. Yeah, you, you are going to be miserable over the next several weeks if you want to use this series as ammunition to fix everybody else. The manual and the instruction manual starts with fixing me. 
Because ultimately the word of God is not about finding the right people. It is about being the right person. So the instructions in the manual, God's word, will teach us how to live well and how to live right. To understand what life means and where it is going. Somebody say legacy. It's all in the instruction manual. It is a manual for what? It is a manual for living. You're behind. Change the verse. It is a, I had her. She was in there. I can see her. You, you, you were with me. You were with me, yeah. It is a manual for living. It is a manual for learning what is right and just and fair. It is a manual that will teach the inexperienced the ropes and give our young people a grasp on reality. There's something here also for seasoned men and women. Let me pump the brakes right there for everybody who already know everything about relationship. There's going to be something in what we say that will help even the most seasoned and experienced among us. There's still a thing or two for the experienced to learn. Listen to this, fresh wisdom to probe and penetrate. Listen to this, fresh wisdom, fresh wisdom. Some of us are still trying to navigate relationships. We're trying to navigate Android and iPhone relationships with BlackBerry technology. Outdated and obsolete. But in God's word, we find fresh wisdom. How many of you realize that just because it worked in that last relationship may not necessarily mean that it will apply this time around? There is fresh wisdom in the word of God. Just because I built one robot one way doesn't mean I use the same technique to build the next robot. Fresh wisdom to probe and penetrate. That means the principles that we share will challenge us uh, as they transform us. Irma Brombeck famously said, the truth will set you free, but it'll make you mad first. So if you get mad at something we say, man, here's the consolation. It's setting me free. That, that, that madness you may feel is an indication God is setting me free to have quality relationships. The rhymes and reasons of wise men and wise women. Notice verse 7. It says, start with God. The first step in learning quality relationships is learning to bow down to God. Listen to this, listen to this. God's manual is better. God's manual and God's instructions are better than any experiences or history that I may have depended on up until now. It means that my way of doing things must become subordinate to God's way because Father knows best. If there is a way of living, if there is a way of interacting that is contrary to the manual, the scripture says, bow down. Bow down. When you come to my town, bow down. Oh, that's that ice. That's that ice cube. Bow down. God says, if you're going to have quality relationships, bow down. You can't have what I have walking up to me with pride and a haughty spirit. 
The relationship you desire and that I desire require tremendous humility and submission to God. Only fools thumb their noses at such wisdom and learning. Okay, baby, you're about to jump in. Levi, why don't you come? And uh, can I borrow your mic for a second? Levi, tell us who this guy is. Can you tell us who that is? No, I'm going to hold it. Okay, this robot is a Micronoid Basher. A Micronoid Basher. All right. All right, you can hold it. You did good. Okay, so Micronoid Basher, what's his name? Um, that, that's his name. Oh, I thought his name was that right there. Oh, that's the company. Okay, he's a Micronoid Basher. Sorry. I told you I don't know <laughs> nothing about nothing. Okay, how did you put this together? Um, at first I thought I could do it by myself. But, um, Who helped you? Mom. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, man, I ain't shame. I ain't shame. I'm just going to let y'all know. My wife and her mom, her, my wife and her mom, are the builders in our family. And I ain't shame. Somebody say, stay in your lane, Pastor. So I ain't shame, right? Now, because here's the deal. Because as a dad, this is my son, I'm supposed to help him build that robot. Uh, hey, baby, can you help Levi with that robot? <laughs> That's how it happened. Now we have a perfectly functioning robot because my wife loves to put stuff together. Mm-hmm. You don't? No. Oh, my bad. Okay, I thought you did it with him and y'all had a fun time. No. You did? So, okay, so um, I thought my mom could help me because my dad said um, she's good at putting stuff together, but... Um, she, she got upset. <laughs> did she now? Yes. What did she say? No, don't, 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 don't. Don't put it all out there. No, no, I know you didn't say anything bad. Okay, so we, we, <laughs> no, she didn't, she didn't say anything bad. I'm just playing. I'm just playing for real though. For real though. I'm just playing. Okay, so we're out of time, but can you show us how this, did this have a lot of pieces? Yes. And so now all the pieces are together. They're all in the right spot. So now it works. Yes. All right. You want to show everybody how it works? Yes. Okay. Okay. You had to, had to be screwed on. Okay. That's it? <laughs> okay. All right. Do something else. Program it and you can put it in different modes. So you can put it, so I put it into normal mode and you can put it into music mode or question mode. Okay. Change the voice thing. Can you change the voice? Is that this one or something else? Well, it's not, it doesn't have a voice changer. Oh. But you can record, you can record stuff on it. So my, so this is what my dad said. Oh, this might take a few seconds. Hey, don't play that. Don't play that one. Don't play. <laughs> what did I say? Did y'all hear that? Levi is a Jedi. Everybody.
everybody show your love for my second born, my mini-me, Levi, legend, A.K. Levi. Can you turn that off? All right. Miss, Miss Andrea, would you be so kind? So I went through all of that to say um, uh, most of us want this, but there's some assembly that's required. And that's what we're going to talk about. Meaning, if I want to have a robot, I have to be willing to do things that I don't want to do. Are y'all with me? If I want a robot, I have to be willing to do things that maybe sometimes don't come naturally to me. Let me tell you one of the things that I have learned over 19 years, 17 years married. We've known each other for about 19 years. I am from Africa. African men. Man, I'm having a Black Panther moment right now, y'all. <laughs> I hope y'all got your pre-sale tickets. I am from Africa. African men. We are not touchy-feely. Holding hands at the mall. It does not come natural to us. <laughs> but I married a beautiful woman who understands love, right? This is, this is how I can communicate love to her. is personal touch and quality time. How many of you realize ain't nobody building no robots until I, Give up the way that I am naturally inclined in order to meet a need in my wife. Now, that need that she has for personal touch and quality time is as real to her as breathing air. If I deprive my wife of personal touch and quality time, it is as if she is suffocating. Because to my wife... That is her heir. Some assembly is required, and sometimes it means that you have to change the way you naturally are, or your relationship will end up just like this. A whole lot of pieces, a whole lot of potential, but nothing is assembled. So you may have a date night here or there, you might spend $1,000 on her birthday. You might go on a fancy trip. But you have pieces of potential and not a fully assembled relationship. So we're going to go back to the instructions, and we're going to have to bow our reasoning to God's way and do it God's way so that we can have the relationships that he promised. All right, baby, why don't you jump in? And uh, uh, we'll, we'll get started on the series. All right. One of the things I wanted to add was Psalm 16:11 out of the ESV version. We did not send that to you, Kelly. This was just in my private notes. 
in Psalm 1611, it says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And so when uh, Pastor Ray is saying that these are transferable, they are naturally because we are married and I'm sitting up here, then it kind of naturally comes out in a marriage relationship, him talking about this. But this is for friendships. Right. That's something that we are going uh, to talk about, too. Not a lot of times do we talk in these days just about friendship relationships with your coworkers. And God is making known to us the path of life. One thing that I loved about the video presentation, um, and as Brother Damon also said, is that there is going to be a winner and there is going to be a loser. Both of the teams will be fighting to win, but they meet on common ground, which is Jesus. Good. And I think if we look around the room, we are of all different nationalities, of all different ages. We have different political beliefs. We have different ways that we worship. And I think what makes it so beautiful and unique is that that one common ground, Jesus. Good. Whether you jump up and holler like I do, a lot of you don't, but it doesn't keep you away. My style of worship doesn't keep you away from City Church. I am not as quiet in worship, but I'm not going to be quiet for the football game. I'm not just I'm not just a quiet person. So this is who I am, and you can be who you are, but we will meet in the common ground, which is Jesus. And so we want to do that as far as our relationships go as well. During this series, we're going to give you some homework. So this week, before we get into it, I don't want to forget it, is I want you to make a list of the people in your life. This week, make a list of all the people in your life. It may take you a little while. You don't have to. You don't have to turn it in next Sunday. But make a list of the people in your life. And then I want you to write five or six if you can find five or six or more, five or six things that you are grateful about each person. And that includes not just your family and the people that you like right now. Make a list of the people in your life and write about five or six things that you are grateful for. Uh, one of the things. Why, why is that? Is because in order, I know when we uh, are talking about this relation slips, some uh, assembly required, we want to give to you today the essentials. Good. And one of the main essentials of relationships, any healthy relationship, is being grateful for the people in your life. If you can't start out the relationship in gratitude or in be conscious of that, then it makes things a little rocky. There are already people, if we had, like in the cartoon, the little thought bubbles, you're already thinking of people that kind of get on your nerves. Well, so I've learned in my life that the reason why people get on my nerves is because I've not put them in my heart. Good. Good. If I'm not grateful, if I don't, if I'm not intentional about why I'm grateful for this person in my life, even the person that may rub me the wrong way is, you know, I always talk about the what is true list. Yeah. Even for the person that it might feel like, oh, I didn't like that. I have to really go back to what is true. What is true? If they said something, they did something, what is true in my life? You know, you've had conflicts in certain situations, and I'll have to sit back and say, okay, the history of this person, 
they are not a malicious or evil person. Good. This person has never done anything wrong. This person, that's not even their natural flow. And that is me working through giving someone grace. And so we're not asking you to do anything that we haven't done. We were in talking about this in the bed and in the kitchen and everything else. But this is your homework is make a list of the people in your life. You can fold up the piece of paper, put it in your back pocket, put it in your purse and just write down their names and think of things that you are grateful about them. Add that to the list. And did you want to talk some more about yeah. being grateful? No, no, that's powerful. All right. Notice what the assignment is. Make a list of the people in your life. That list also includes people you wish would exit your life. No, no, make, make a list of people, just in general, of people in your life because the whole point of the essentials, the whole point of the essentials is to do it God's way. And it begins with being grateful for the people in my life. Life. So, so that's where we're going to start. Let me tell you why making that list is critical. The longer you and I know someone, the easier it is to take them for granted. There are people right now in your life who should be in your life, but you've known them so long that even their influence and impact on your life, you are now taking for granted. And the things that we take for granted right? Lose their impact in our lives. Here's why you want to make that list. Second reason, second reason. Uh, the longer somebody is in your life, the easier it is to remember their faults. So this, number one, if we're going to do it God's way and have quality relationships, let me tell you, let me tell you. You know what being grateful means? Being grateful means when it comes to relationships, I will develop selective memory. That's what this assignment is about. It is about developing selective memory. That means when I'm making this list of these people, I choose what I will remember about them. And what I choose to remember are going to be the good things that I can express gratitude for. Let me tell you why that is. Let's put the text on the screen. Philippians chapter 1, let's look at verse 3. These are the words of Paul the Apostle. Why are these words critical? Because Philippians is considered the happiest book in the Bible. It is a, it is a letter to the Philippian church that Paul had planted. Paul was a church planter. The crazy thing about the church of Philippi? is that it was his toughest church plant. When, when Paul showed up in Philippi to plant the church, there was a girl work, walking around with him who was possessed with this demon. She kept saying the right things, but from the wrong place. And as a result of that, the scripture says Paul and Silas were thrown into prison and they were beaten and thrown into the inner cell and put in stocks. But notice that even though this was his toughest church plant, how many of you remember your worst job? Some of you don't even remember your worst job because you don't even want to think about it. Not so with Paul. This was the most difficult church that he had established because of the persecution that came along with it. But notice what Paul says. In fact, the, 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 the reason 
Philippians is considered the happiest book in the Bible is because for 17 times, 17 times in the, in the, in this short book, 17 times, Paul makes some type of reference to joy or rejoicing or being grateful or being thankful. The recurring theme in this short letter was gratitude. Even in the places that have been the most difficult. You know what that means? That means that Paul developed selective memory when it came to the church at Philippi. He chose to be grateful in spite of the pain he experienced in that place. So notice what he says in Philippians chapter one. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. You know what the essentials are? If you're going to have quality relationships, if I am going to have quality relationships, it begins with gratitude. And gratitude doesn't mean that everything about the relationship is perfect. But I find things about the relationship to be grateful for. And those things become the things that I fixate on. The essentials. What are you grateful for about the people in your life? And start there. Because Paul had a lot of ammunition to say really bad things about the people in Philippi and the city of Philippi. But notice what he said. I thank my God every time I think about you. Think about the people in your life. I'm talking about your your husband, your wife, your children, your neighbors with the loud dog that keep you up all night. Start with gratitude with the people in your life. Go ahead. And no matter what has happened, memory is a choice. It is. Look at your neighbor and tell them that. Say memory. Memory. Is a choice. Is a choice. You can choose to remember the best and forget the rest. Good. Just being grateful. Another point about Paul writing that this was actually a thank you note that Paul was writing from a prison in Rome. Good. Very good point. So he could have just been, uh, he's writing a thank you note back to the toughest place where he was in a very tough situation. Mm -hmm. He could have just been in the prison just praying, just like, oh, Lord, deliver me out of this. Yeah. But he was writing a thank you letter, making sure someone delivered it back from not just showing gratitude, but from a very tough place. So even getting your mind off of that tough place is, is very therapeutic. In order to be grateful, though, in all of these essentials, uh, for some of us, it'll be more of a process than others. For some of it, you'll get it and you'll run and you'll have the best week ever. ever. Some of us, it's a process. But in order to really be grateful from a posture of just being submitted to the word of God and the life of God is you've got the second essential, essential is pray for the people in your life. Come on. So we just don't want you to make a list and just come up with things and just leave it there. That list, and it's not going to be just for this week, we want you to pray for those people. In uh, first, uh, Philippians 1, not first Philippians, in Philippians <laughs> 1, verse 4, it says, Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy. Good. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. He didn't talk about when they beat him up. The situation where he got thrown into jail is that 
little girl that was following them saying, oh, these are the men of God. These are the men of God. She actually was possessed by a demon and some people were uh, trafficking her as a kind of like a palm reader, a palm reader. When uh, Paul and the disciples called the demon out of her, the people were no longer able to make money. Right off of her being filled with that demon. And so these people were mad and they beat them up, put them out of the city, put them in jail and just wreaked havoc on them because of the presence of God. There wasn't a heart of gratitude. And so Paul is not remembering those things. Remember, memory is a choice. Things have happened to us that are just horrific but God can renew our mind. He can help us. If you are a survivor from something that has happened, we are not saying just la, 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 act like nothing happened. But you can have for your own peace of mind and your own spiritual growth that uh, make memories a choice. And pray for those people. Praying for them changes, changes me first. So if I've got a situation, my mom and my dad were not uh, married. And so growing up, uh, my father, and I've told you this before, he lived in Georgia. I'm from Michigan. And so sometimes I would call, and that was back in the day where you could reverse the charges. So the nurse, um, the nurse, the operator would say, you have a collect call from Wendy. And on more than one occasion, my father would say, Wendy, 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 Wendy. Oh, oh, Wendy. And so it's laughable now, but imagine being a 12-year-old calling your father. And it's taking him time to remember. He's just like, Wendy. And he's just searching. I know that name from somewhere. In the neighborhood I grew up in, Wendy, for a little brown girl, is not a very common name. He didn't have any other kids named Wendy. I don't know why he had to reach so deep. Right, right, <laughs> right, right. But because of what I was learning in Sunday school, because of what I was learning at church, I just always prayed for my father. I just really wanted a dad so bad, and I just would pray for him. And when Ray and I got engaged, I sent my dad a, a picture of us, engagement pictures we had taken at JCPenney. We sent him a Christmas card. Uh, after our we married... We took him at JCPenney because back then Pastor Ray was a baller on a budget. Yes, but you Ola. were balling nonetheless. So. Right. We took these pictures, and we sent my dad one because I had learned to pray, not look at the faults, have selective memory. I didn't have very many memories of him, but when I was 19, he took me to St. Louis. I was able to meet my grandparents. He had come to Montgomery, Alabama to pick me up from Macon, Georgia, where he lived, and we went to St. Louis and spent the entire Thanksgiving uh, holiday, and I chose to only remember that, not just the times that he couldn't remember my name or he struggled with alcohol, and so just all that goes with it. Well, anyway, in praying for him to exactly a year, we got married March 3rd. We had gone to San Antonio for our one-year anniversary. We came back, and a year later, my father had passed away. And my uncle, when he calls me, he says, oh, I've been looking for you for three days. He said, I have called every Ray Harmon, but Ray's name is not Ray. His name is Wilma. So my uncle said, you know what? We found your engagement picture and the Christmas card. And so we know you live in Plano. We, we have the return address. And so we have just been going down all of the Harmons. 
And when I went to my dad's services, I mourned and I cried, but there was not an ache in my heart. Because he had kept that card, I knew he loved me. When I walked into my father's house, the same guy who would say, Wendy, Wendy, Wendy. When I walked into his house, on the mantle was my senior high school picture. And then picture from sixth grade. And they, he talked a lot. I don't know where I get it from, but he, they called him rap. And in every photo album, from every picture, he had rap's daughter, Wendy. But it was through prayer and it was through choosing to remember the good about him. So good. That when he passed, yes, I cried, I cried, I cried, I mourned. But I don't have any ache in my heart. And so it really does work. And it was because I couldn't, I just wanted to belong to him so bad. I just couldn't afford to be mad at him. Because I wanted to belong so bad. So when we say pray for the people in your life, prayer changes you first. It does. My father didn't ever start coming around. I don't know when he ever remembered it was me when I called. But guess what? My dad loved me the best he knew how to love me. And he was mine. And so the people in your life, whether it's a coworker or a cousin or even a friend you've fallen out with, you are in your lives to make one another better. And we can make the choice. Again, don't put yourself in an abusive situation, but you can choose to still love. You can choose to still be respectful. It is a choice. The quickest way to change a bad relationship is, to starting, is starting to pray for it. Pray that they will grow in love. Pray that you and them will make wise choices. Pray that both of you will live with integrity. And pray that both of you become more and more like Jesus. Again, meaning, meeting on that level playing field. And that's in verses 9 through 11. When you read Philippians chapter 1, those are the four things that Paul prayed for the people in his life. Grow in love. Make wise choices. Live with integrity. Become like Jesus. I've got the Academy Award music playing behind me. I know what time it is, but we've got to finish this, and I'll go quickly. Uh, number one, uh, be grateful. Number two, pray for them. And I hope you heard what Pastor Wendy said. Praying for them changes me first. There's something that happens when you start to pray for, and Jesus said it. He said, pray for those who persecute you and despitefully use you. Bless them, do not curse them. That word bless in the Greek is the word eulageo, where we get the word eulogy, which literally in the Greek means speak well of. When someone's lying in that casket in a funeral service and you're eulogizing them, you don't choose to say all the things about them that were imperfect. You remember the good. Jesus said, when we pray for our enemies, remember the good and eulogize them, even though the relationship may not have been perfect. Because praying for them that way will change your heart first. Long before you see the changes manifest in them. Number three, I'm going to go fast. Hope for the best. Pray for them, be grateful, but hope for the best from the people in your life. Human nature is to expect people to let us down. Especially, especially, especially when we have had interactions where we have been let down. But if we're going to have quality relationships, 
hope for the best. Believe the best. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So that relationships, when people have relationships with you, that it's not performance-based. Listen to this. This is important. We're about to wrap up. If you're looking for perfection in others, uh before you can enjoy them, you will live a miserable life. Listen to this. If you're looking for perfection from the people in your life before you can enjoy them, you will live a miserable life. And you will make the lives of the people around you just as miserable. It's possible to enjoy a relationship, even though it has its quirks and its shortcomings. Be patient. Listen, listen to this. Be patient with other people's progress. Just because you got it quicker than they did doesn't mean you have to write them off. Be patient with other people's progress. And here's the next thing. Here's the next thing. This is how we hope for the best. This is how we hope for the best. Celebrate how far people have come, not how much farther they have to go. I hope you heard that. If you see someone taking baby steps toward getting better, celebrate how far they have come and not the fact that they still got 10 more miles to go. Celebrate the fact that they made it one mile to improving the relationship. Hope for the best in others. Uh, that's, what we, that's what we do, though. It's human nature. We judge ourselves by our intentions and everybody else by their actions. when what we should do is believe the best. Finally, number four, ah, boy, I must love the people in my life. I wish I had time to really, really deep dive on what that looks like. Loving the people in my life. You know what Jesus said about that? Jesus said, our heavenly father makes the sun shine on the good and the evil. He makes the rain fall on the good and the evil. How much more should we love genuinely the people in our lives? I'm looking down at the time and we are out of time. But that's where we're going to start. We're going to start with the essentials. Because it is human nature to write off the people who have done us wrong. It is human nature to be angry, to be mad at the people who are in our life instead of giving thanks for them. But check this out. They would not have been in your life if there was not something good that they added to your life. So remember the good. That you can reframe all of your relationships and begin to give thanks. Not just for the good, but even for the bad and the ugly because serving Christ and I know Damon you said this during communion it's not just a win-win situation in fact it's not a win-lose situation it's always a win-learn even the people who did you wrong made you better and we can make that choice every day that I will be better and not bitter because I choose gratitude. And one last thing. Remember that acceptance always precedes transformation. Good. 
That doesn't mean you have to accept uh, bad behavior or wrong behavior, but you can accept the fact that you've got God in your heart and that anything is possible. Accepting that person, you don't have to accept all of their flaws, but acceptance precedes transformation. I was in a situation, my, my sister had a production yesterday, and then there was somebody who, who came up before her, and it was just very alarming, their presentation. Um, just people uh, serve in different religions, and they have different lifestyle choices. And at first, it was alarming, their presentation. And I was like, wow, I feel like my civil rights are being violated. I didn't want to <laughs> hear all that. But I just kept thinking about, that's a person. That's a human being. What is their story? And the more I said that, instead of getting stiff-necked and resistant to what they were saying, I was just thinking about, wow, I wonder what they went through to arrive here. Oh, my goodness, somebody didn't tell that person that they were wonderful and beautiful the way they were. And by the time I got home, because we were in downtown Dallas, I have just begun to pray for this person because for my little churchy background, it was like way too much. Like the kind of thing where you would just, if I really wanted to be all extra saved, I could have just got up and walked out and asked for my money back. But you will be in situations to live the life that you preach about. Good. Nobody knew it. I was just sitting me in my chair and I just thought about the story behind the story that was being presented. And so instead of being stiff necked, maybe if this person sees me again at my sister's performance, Maybe me just saying hello. Maybe that could just open up a door to say, you're loved. Did you know that Jesus loved you? One man plants, another man waters. But we've got to always think about how we can be pliable and lift up the name of Jesus. Now, I'm not just going to walk up to them. Hello, do you know Jesus loves you? No, but if I'm not so stiff-necked and resistant against their choices, and I just remember that they are a human being, acceptance of their humanity and we're just all trying to make it, will always proceed transformation. Amen. Let, let's pray. Let's pray as we close uh, this morning.